Amen. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, please, this morning, at least to begin over in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2. Praise God. I've, I've got several things rolling around in my heart. Praise God. But we're going to start. We're going to start with the ladies this morning, I think. <laughs> Why not? And uh, spend a little time uh, praying between meetings. I was recently in a meeting with Dr. Jacobs, as I mentioned before, and this last week. And, and just, just God began to seem to deal with me and emphasize to me about the importance of women uh, uh, and mothers, but all women, ladies, to Him, to His heart, but specifically to the plan of God in spiritual things. Uh, you know, women uh, are not sidelined in the mind of God when it comes to ministry uh, and spiritual things. And, uh, you know, uh, depending on what background you came from, I came from a, I was uh, born again Baptist, uh, praise God, and then raised Methodist, and then I fell in the river of Pentecost and got wet and was glad I did. But, uh, you know, one of the things I appreciate about my journey uh, with Jesus is that uh, I don't care a lick about denominational label. I, I just really don't. You know, you didn't see one placard on, like that on the outside of our building. That's fine for those to have that. Uh, organization is good. We have, we have organization around here too. But we're, we're brothers and sisters. We all have different levels of light, you know, and understanding about certain things. But, you know, in certain circles, it's very unfortunate about the mentality that they have taken uh, in their camp uh, when it comes to women in ministry. Well, Pastor Chris, the Bible, Paul said women ought to be silent in church. Well, you know, you ought to do a little, little deeper study. You know, the original Bible, New Testament, was not written in English. And it was written in Greek. And uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read. And uh, read from people who are. And I found out that the word, the Greek word... Uh, there's only one Greek word that they use for either woman or wife. And you have, to, you have to be able to study from the context. Is he talking about women in general? Is he talking about wives? Mm-hmm. Well, that scripture I kind of quoted uh, in the Greek, it's, he's not talking to women. Women be silent in the church. We just read last, uh, the last time I was here preaching uh, that Philip had four daughters which prophesied. So is the Bible a contradiction on that, on that basis? We ought to just throw it all away? You know, you can read in Romans chapter 16 where Paul, uh, talking about a list of ministry gifts and apostles specifically in the Romans 16, not talking about the original 12, but other apostles that stood in that office of ministry, he mentions uh, especially a woman named Junia. And he says about her that she is of note among the apostles. That's kind of a shocker, isn't it? Uh, Amen. That not only was she an apostle, but evidently she was a uh, prestigious apostle. She was premium apostle. Well, all the ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, what are they? They're preachers and teachers of the word. So did Paul contradict himself and say women ought to be silent in the church? No, of course not. No, if you study there, uh, that passage talks about how that, uh, well, if you knew anything about the day, they had two main sections in the synagogues back then. 
And uh, have you ever been in, in service like this? All the ladies sat in one section. Husbands and wives didn't sit together. And the husbands and the men, the sons, they sat in another section. When I go to India on mission trips, that's how it is. All the ladies, they sit in one section and all the men sit in another section. Right? What Paul said is that if the ladies have any, really it's wives, have any questions, let them ask their husbands at home. So you can imagine, you know, if my, my wife's over there, she was the keyboardist this morning, and the preacher's up, and she had a question, but her husband's over here, she can't lean over and say, now what do you mean? So really, back then in the synagogue, what was going on was, hey Bob, what do you mean? <laughs> you have to do some digging, you have to do some study, but it's there. Amen. My main point is that God has a high view a high view of women in general. Not a low view, a high view. You know, he's the creator of all things womanhood. Amen. And, uh, you know, all that is true and right and good and precious about being female came right out of the heart of our creator. Amen. You, but we, of course we know that throughout humanity's history, women have been greatly mistreated and oppressed. And, and that's even gotten into the church at, at times. But do you know, God's not the oppressor. Yeah, I know you're not there. We're going to come back to Acts 2. But just look over with me at Acts chapter 10 for a moment. Flip a few, a few pages. Let me show you something here. Y'all all right? You know, I had to show up to church with you today to kind of find out how it was going to go. Praise God. Not because I'm not prepared, but just, just, you, I kept checking and looking and looking and looking and looking and he never gave me an outline. <laughs> so here we are. Praise God. Walking by faith. Uh, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. I hear pages turning. Praise God. How God anointed. This is Acts 10, 38. Now who, who's doing the anointing? God is. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Well, we see, we see somebody being anointed and ministering. That's Jesus. But who's being blamed for the oppressing? Who's doing the oppressing? The devil is. Any woman that's ever been oppressed, you know what the word oppressed means to press down, means to keep down in body or mind. That's what the word oppressed means. And we all know what that feels like. To be weighed down, to be pressed down in body or mind. Well, it's the devil that does that. Well, what about the curse on the woman? Well, yeah, there's a curse on the woman just like there's a curse on the man because of sin. And part of that was, is that, uh, you know, that she would have a heart for her husband uh, and uh, he would rule over her. But see, we're, God is in the process of undoing the curse. You do realize that that's what redemption's all about. <laughs> and though that curse dominates the earth, we're, we're in the world, but not of the world. And I have no desire to rule over my wife. I like my head where it is. <laughs> I like where it is. You men like where your head is? Well, you better listen to your pastor then. 
But there's nothing, no seriously, there's nothing in my heart that wants to oppress my wife. I mean, when I got born again, just like you, the love of God was shed abroad in my heart for all people. I mean, you just, if you got a heart to be mean and oppressive and dominant with your wife, you're not right. You need to let the love of God have more of its way in your heart. Jesus, through, or the Apostle Paul, the Holy Ghost on Paul in Ephesians 5. Now we're going to go to Acts 2. You go back to Acts 2. Hallelujah. He told a Christian husband how he ought to think and treat about his, uh, his wife. That he ought to love her. Right? How? The way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, he didn't just give himself for the church a little bit. I mean, he sacrificed himself. He went to the cross. He bled. He died. So husbands, to what degree, to what extent are we to lay our lives down for the ladies in our life, for our wife, for our daughters, to the extent that Jesus gave his life for the church? I mean, he just laid it down, gave up his life for them. Amen. You know, the Bible says in that same passage that a husband who loves his wife loves himself. In other words, he's smart because he gets a harvest back for treating his wife the right way. Are you with me? I'm just saying we, we don't live among the unredeemed, the, the sinner where we're not supposed to think like them. Love is supposed to dominate everything that we... How come I got on this? But praise God. Love is supposed to dominate all of our interactions with all people. And how much more so our bride, our maid, our daughters, our ladies, our moms... Praise God. But go over here, Acts chapter 2. He pointed me to this scripture. Of course, I knew it was there. Uh, praise God. Earlier in the week, talked to me about it a little bit. And of course, this is uh, talking about, this is a passage that deals with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the move of God. And, you know, we're in the midst, the body of Christ on the earth, in, in a move of God right now. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, from your little world and your perspective, you, you may not seem like it's, it's real hot, but it's pretty hot out there in the world. I mean, good. I mean, the fire of God and power of God. People, you know, people are being raised from the dead out there. You just may not be hearing, from, hearing about it, but they are. People are being miraculously healed. We just had one of the uh, ministers in our group come back from Morocco and all kinds of supernatural things going on, salvation and m miracles of every kind. It's an awesome time. Well, how does a lady fit into all this? Well, in the midst of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you remember Peter in Acts chapter 2 stood up to preach and to give explanation to the crowd that had gathered. And in verse 16, he said, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon what? All flesh. Now, the last... Uh, I checked, 51% of all flesh on the planet is female. Just going to let you think about that a minute. 51% of all flesh on the planet is female. How come 51, not 50, 50? Well, because we men die younger typically. They live longer. So there's more ladies typically by a little bit on the planet at any given time than the guys. Amen. That's because we're out there laying our life down, doing all that anyway. I'll stay off of that. <laughs> Father's Day's next month. We've got to talk about that next month. Praise God. But listen, just, just think about this. Let this penetrate you if you need to. Get a revelation of it. 51% of all flesh is female. 
And what did God say? In the last days, I will pour out upon my spirit upon all, all flesh. That means including the females, including the ladies. They have their part in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know what that ought to tell you? All that the Holy Spirit is, all that the Holy Spirit has, the, uh, all of our ladies have full, their, their full claim to all that He is. That means that women have a right to the anointing. I like again... To quote my spiritual father, Dr. Jacobs, I just, I don't think I could put it any better than he did. He said, God does not check a person's gender before he decides to anoint somebody. Amen. Amen. Okay, I can't anoint you. <laughs> no, no, the Bible says in the New Testament in Christ, there's neither male nor female. He sees us all the same. Hallelujah. In his mind, it's what, I'm, what I want you to see. He said, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons only? No, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, I, I read that in my dad. My dad was just with us, came out for face graduation, had a great time. And he's a member of the body of Christ, an elder in his church. And when I said that word, when I was reading that and said that word prophesy, he goes, yeah, that means preach. And that's how a lot of the body of Christ interprets that word prophesy. And they're, and they're right. Remember what I told you last week about what prophecy was? It's inspired utterance in a known tongue. Well, we want our preaching to be inspired utterance, I hope, right? Not man-made, man-made dry reader's digest, you know, downloaded from sermons.com. No, so, you know, that is, that is a part of the flow of prophecy. It's inspired utterance. Notice it said your daughters will prophesy. More than not, in the body of Christ, interpret the word prophesy means to preach under the inspiration of the Spirit. Amen. See, I, if, if it's necessary, I don't know if I'm talking to one guy, two guy, whatever. You just We want to think like God, don't we? Maybe we need to lay down some of our machoistic wrong teaching that wasn't in the Bible and actually look at what the Bible says. Because I tell you what, in this revival, in this move, God already has and He is going to raise up and anoint Women with the power of God, with signs, wonders, and miracles, with a word from God in their mouth, and you would be smart to listen to them and to receive from them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not that dumb. I mean, if I had a physical impairment and, and a lady got up and she had the gifts of healings and God had, a, she had given her a special anointing for livers and I had a liver condition. Are you, are you that machuistic that you're going to keep your liver? You're not going to go up and receive? Well, then see, you're just not smart. You're not Bible smart. Amen. Praise God. I go, praise God. Hallelujah. Lay hands on me. I'm telling you. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Another thing that this word prophesy, being attached to daughters or to our ladies, ought to tell us is that uh, all, all women have full right, just like any male in the body of Christ, to all the gifts of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, there in Luke chapter 2, 
there's the account we read at Christmas time a lot of times of Mary and Joseph. They've come to Jerusalem with baby Jesus. And of course, Simeon uh, is a high priest in there and he recognizes by the Spirit the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed. And he holds him up and says, I can die now. Because God had told me I'm not going to leave the earth before I see the Lord's provision for salvation. And I've held him in my arms. And then he gave her back, he gave, prophesied and gave, gave Jesus back to Mother Mary. But there was a lady in the temple too that day. Her name was Anna. Now Anna was someone of great age, uh, but her husband had died seven years into their marriage as a young person. So she's in her 90s. Uh, And she'd been a widow for over 80 years. Instead of getting remarried, she gave herself to the Lord. And the Bible calls her in Luke chapter 2 a prophet. A prophetess. Now that's more, if you were paying attention last week, that's more than just someone who prophesies. Right? Samuel was a prophet. Amen? Uh, Elijah was a prophet. In the Old Testament, Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Malachi was a prophet in the Old Testament. Anna was a prophet in the days of Jesus. The Bible says so. Amen. And she got over in the spirit and said things that blessed Mary. Amen. And Joseph. In a, see, she, this lady had her part in, the, in what God was doing in that time. She was cutting edge. I'm telling you, Amen. Praise God. I just want us to think right and think in line with the mind and heart of God uh, toward, uh, you know, God's plan. Because we could really miss some things in these last days. You know, I, I've gotten a few strange looks. Nothing, I, nothing really just stands out, but a few strange looks when I mention my pastor in my life. My pastor's a lady. <gasps> well, listen, I got the best one. I got the creme, creme de la creme. Praise God, Pastor Nancy Dufresne. Amen. She sits on my board of directors. You know, a lot of the things, some of the things going on that God has blessed and moved us into. She's the one that started that. She spoke into that. We were having a board meeting uh, back here in the fall uh, when, we, when she was here. And uh, my other board members were back there. Amber was back there having dinner. And she began to talk to us about, uh, you know, the sign. She goes, you know, you need a sign. Pastor, I know we need a sign. But see, in my mind, we're occupied with the project. Man, I tell you what, she's she not shy about it. She just put her fork down and looked across the table and said, you do know, Pastor, that God can advance more than one project at a time. She stretched me. But it's sitting out there, isn't it? Hallelujah. And I tell you, she put her money where she put a $5,000 seat in that. Praise God. I just appreciate the anointing on people. I don't care if they're male or female. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Go all the way back with me to 1 Samuel. Now let's break female down a little bit closer to what we're thinking about today and to our moms. You know, come on, we could all, we, all the guys could start crying if I get to talking about this too far. <laughs> about what 
our moms have meant to us in life. You know, my, my mom, bless her heart, didn't get saved until just a few months before she went to heaven. But I tell you what, she's sure a blessing in my life. Wow. You know, if you do, if lest you forget, she gave you life. Amen. You know, God is, he is so good. But I tell you what, you know, ladies, I, I'm, I'm not one, but I, you know, I'm married to one. And your body's just not quite the same after you give life to another human being. Get stretched out there, and, you know, and all of that. We ought to be forever grateful that they were just willing to go through that for nine months. Yeah, you sit there and watch this alien being, you know, move around under the, like, wow, that's got to be weird. What's that feel like? You know, and then, you know, we talk about birth and all that. We all know, praise God, that, let's not. I'm just telling you that we ought to be grateful. Amen. Anyway, okay, she wants me to get off of that. All right. First Samuel, I said chapter two, I think. Chapter one is what I mean. And uh, I, I wanted to just point a few things out looking at Hannah. Anybody know who Hannah, Hannah is? What do you mean Hannah is? Yeah, she still is. She's with the Lord. Has been for several thousand years now. But uh, you remember uh, about her, 1 Samuel opens up talking about uh, that she was the wife of a high priest named Elkanah. Uh, and uh, he had another wife, but uh, she was one of two. And, and uh, uh, she was not able to have a baby. And she was, um, you know, distraught because, you know, like, like most women, not all, but most women want to have a baby really bad. That's just, you know, your part, that's what God's put, put in us. Be fruitful and multiply, right? And she was not able to, and others around her were giving her a real hard time about it. And uh, so anyway, yearly they would go, uh, because they lived far away from the temple, they would have to travel uh, high priests back then, they had a, a circuit, they had a turn uh, to do their part of service in the temple, their priestly service. Well, it became to be his turn. And so they would just go to the temple in that city and stay, husband and wife and family, until uh, that turn was over and then they'd go back home. So she was in the temple uh, and um, she, uh, let's read verse 7. It says, and he did so year by year, this is what he did going up uh, to the temple, uh, when she went up to the house of the Lord. So she provoked her. This other wife was giving her a hard time, kind of flaunting her kids in front of her. And therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, Why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better than thee? Uh, better to thee than ten sons? That's how we think, isn't that right, husbands? <laughs> I read that and I just laughed. Oh, I know kids would be good, but I, man, come on, you got me. I, I'm better than 10 kids. She might have said, no, you act worse than 10 kids. I don't know. But that's, that's what he thought. I am all that in a bag of chips. You don't, you know, you ought to not be crying that you don't have any babies. You've got me. <laughs> like we're the all and end all of everything, right? Now, no men want to say amen but me. Praise God. But that's all right. That's, I know how that is. 
And it says in verse 9, So Hannah rose up after that they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Uh, and Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your handmaid, and remember me, and not forget your handmaid, but will give unto your handmaid a man-child, a son, a boy, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Well, long, longer story shorter, uh, God answered her prayer. And uh, I don't know, do you realize her son that was born unto him was Samuel? And if you know anything about Samuel, Samuel... Wow. I mean, God raised up several prophets for Israel, but Samuel was one of the most renowned, godly, faithful, skillful, powerful uh, prophets that Israel was ever blessed to have, ever given. I mean, when he finally died and uh, was gathered unto his people, I mean, they wept and they wept. And I mean, they... Uh, but he was faithful to God all of his life. Well, listen, I want you to think about this. He would have never been. He would have never been. He would have never even come into the planet had it not been for Hannah. Talking about the, the ministers, the, the, the guy ministers, you know they all had a mom. Somebody brought them into the world. And uh, oftentimes when you study great men of God in the earth, you'll often see that Satan devises a plan to try to destroy them even before they're born. They did that with Jesus. You know, Mary had to do some things to be faithful to get Jesus in the earth. Because she was on Herod's most wanted list. I mean, they had posters of her. They, you know, he, he killed, Herod killed every boy, child, what, under two or three years of age that was born into the entire region trying to kill that little baby. Amen. They had to leave. They had to travel. They had to sojourn in a foreign land. Right. She went through things. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Jesus wouldn't have been had it not been for Mary. That's right. Come on. Well, this prophet of God would not have been had it not been for Hannah. But it's more than just her being willing to have a child. Listen, she prayed. Yes. And I, I know Brother Deacon Russell here. He's sitting here today in good, right standing, good fellowship with God. Has been for many years because his mama prayed. Yes. No other reason. His mama prayed. I bet she didn't pray more. I bet she prayed more than one little prayer over the table. I mean, she prayed. I mean, come on. Did you pray? She's crying. She, she prayed. Amen. Brother Jerry Jr. back there, I know you're the beneficiary of a mama's prayers this morning. Hallelujah. See, but because she prayed, because she pressed in, because she got a hold of God, God was able to work with her. But then think about her heart. Her heart's desires finally come to pass. And she's holding this little baby in her arms. Her dream has come true. And the only time she got with him was the breastfeeding period. And the moment he, she got him weaned, she made that trip back to the temple and she gave that baby away. We're talking about a woman who's devoted to God. A woman of integrity. A woman who did not renege. 
A woman who gave back to God her deepest longing and desire. You realize, you know, uh, she was probably not there when he took his first step. Eli raised that baby from that day forward and trained him in the things of God, trained him in the things of the Spirit. And it is no coincidence that it was this young man that God was able to raise up in a spiritual dry time in Israel's history to be one of the greatest prophets they'd ever known. Because there was a a lady, a mother who prayed, who had faith, who was devoted to God, who had integrity, who followed through on her word, who was willing to lay aside her deepest instincts and desires to fulfill a vow. Wow. And then all that God wrought. Think about the, this is what I want to emphasize. We're not going to go too much. uh, The importance of Samuel to the plan of God. See, we're not talking about something insignificant. Samuel's life was vitally important to the plan of God. You know how we got David? David's the one that heard from, or Samuel was the one who heard from God and got that assignment to seek him out. Think about how spiritual and skillful he was because when Jesse, uh, Samuel said, bring me all your sons, God's going to choose him a king from among your sons. Well, he, David wasn't even there. And so he gets in front of the first one. Mm, yeah, he sure looks. He thought he thought he was the one. Oh, here he is. And God said, no, 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 no. That's not him. God doesn't judge the way man judges. He doesn't see the way man sees. God looks upon the heart. So here, Samuel's having this spiritual. He's hearing from God. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, none of these are it. We're talking about someone who's skillful in spiritual things. And locates David who wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just go on and on and on with this. How important was Samuel to the plan of God? Vital. He wouldn't have even been there. Wouldn't even have been there had it not been for that mama. You think about Moses' mother. Now, see, it talked about how sometimes... A, 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 a being, a little baby at that point. God knows the future. God knows the call. God knows the assignment. God knows what He's going to use that, 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 that minister to do, that, that man or that woman to do. And so He sets out to try to destroy the baby from birth. And of course, Pharaoh's upset, right? And he's mad. And so He's ordered all babies, all Hebrew babies killed. All Hebrew baby boys killed. But it says her mama... Moses' mama had her baby. He said she was not afraid of the king's dictate, of the Pharaoh's dictate. And she saw immediately there's something on my child. Right? And so she had enough faith and enough love to weave a wooden basket and to lay her baby boy in that basket and set it out by faith on the water. I don't know if a father could do that. I, I don't know. I don't know if a father's got that kind of thing in him. I don't know if a father would just like, let's fight to the death. You know, I don't, <laughs> let's just take him on. Let's storm the fortress. You know, that's kind of the way we think. Because, you know, think about that. And she put that little baby out. And of course, God's intervention. And the baby was taken up by one of Pharaoh's daughters. 
But think how strategic Moses was to the plan of God. And his mother played a vitally strategic role. Amen. I'd like to bring up another lady to honor her. Her name is Abigail. Anybody ever read in the Bible about a lady named Abigail? You know, my, my daughter's middle name is Abigail. And, uh, well, David, this was uh, during David's, uh, he was a fugitive from justice. The king, King Saul, was out to kill him because he knew the anointing's on him, on David, to be king, not me. And so he's out to kill him. And, I mean, he's running and he's fleeing and he's going through all this mess. And they're on the run and they come into a land and they've run out of supplies. And David's, some of the men that were with him, the young guys were with him, came upon a very rich landowner named Nabal, Nabal, however you, he was a butt of a person. B-U-T-T. He really was. You want to read about it. 1 Samuel 25. And I mean, they, they, David very sweetly said, look, we've been kind to you. We're, we're out of provision. You got all this abundance. Could you, would you help us? And they were shamefully treated. They were turned away, browbeaten. He got all in pride and arrogance and and when David heard about it, oh man, David was hot. You know, David was kind of a killer. He, he, had, he had cute curly hair, but he'd just flat knock your head off. I mean, he was a killer. And he was not messing around. And when he heard how his boys were treated by Nabal, the butt person, he was upset. And he set out to, he said, before the sun goes down today, there won't be anything left associated with Nabal. Not his kids, not his animals, not his nothing. He was hot about it. He, and he was hot to trot and on his way. Mm-hmm. Well, Abigail, which is Nabal's wife, hears about it. And she knows she's married to a B-U-T-T. <laughs> Just read about it. It's hilarious. Like as the world turns. I mean, it's very entertaining to read. <laughs> and she goes, my B-U-T-T of a husband's going to get us all killed. <laughs> now, he's passed out drunk at a party. Yeah, that's what she was dealing with. But she, she gets the servant and she says, load up some food. Let's load up provisions. Let's load up. And she set out and she intercepted and found David. And I mean, David had his, he's ready to go. And she falls down in a heap before him. And she makes this appeal and says, please don't listen to my butt of a husband. I should stop saying that anyway. But I'm trying to get a point across to you. Some people are just like that. You know what I mean? They just... I don't know what their problem is. They are a B-U-T-T. They need Jesus in their life. But anyway, and please don't regard him. He is out of his gourd. Forgive. Lay all. She said, lay all the sin and the burden of it on me. And I have come. And then she started prophesying to him. The the Holy Ghost got on her and uh, began to give the king, the anointed king, direction about what he ought to do. And that, you know, she said, you really ought to thank me because I, I, I rescued you from acting rashly and taking matters into your own hands and avenging yourself instead of trusting God. I would have gone, ooh, I shouldn't have said that to the king. But see, the Holy Ghost was on her right then. And David goes, she's right, guys. She is right. And, and it said that David heeded her advice. I think the ladies want me to say that one more time. (laughs) 
David, I mean, under the old covenant, back when they thought different about women, right? When women were property. And God was never endorsing that. That's just the way it was back then. In the midst of that kind of mentality, David recognized the anointing on her and received what God said to him through her and said, thank you for your advice. And he heeded the blessed advice of Abigail. You know, with less, less than 24 hours later, I believe, if I read that right, Nabal's dead. Her husband's dead. God judged him. He just died a horrible death. Why? Because he was a B-U-T-T. You know, if you don't get that turned around, you're not going to die. You're not, the outcome of your life's not going to be good. You just need to let Jesus get a hold of you. Right? But I tell you what, men, it would, be a, it would behoove us all to be spiritually sensitive enough to know when that's just Amber talking and when that's God talking. I don't know how many times is God talking through her. I wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't make that phone call. Don't send that email. I mean, just, just a few weeks ago, I sat down and I drafted me an email. I mean, I drafted me an email and I had the arrow on the send button. And, and I, but I could hear her saying, don't, don't do it. From afar, I could hear her in the spirit. Don't do it. And I thank God I didn't because a few hours later I was thinking about what I would have sent, what it said. And I'm like, dear God, I'm so glad I didn't send that email. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, no, our wives, our moms, they're not God in our life, but they hold a high place. They hold a strategic place in the plan of God. And we would do wise like David did to recognize when God's talking. You know, God uses all kinds of vessels to speak through. Now, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to be demeaning at all. I'm just saying He uses all kinds of vessels to speak through. I'll try to shut it down. This is a sweet story. I, I love it every time I'm reminded of it. Back over at Jackson Street, I was going through one of the most difficult, confusing uh, times uh, that I've ever had in, in my life, having to do with the will of God and clarity and different things. And I would, just, I would just run ragged. And we had a lady in the church at that time. She hadn't been with us for years. Sweet lady. Uh, but very traumatized person. Person with a lot of issues. And uh, can I be sweet about it? She gave me lots of problems. <laughs> she just gave me lots of problems. And, uh, but out of the aisle one day, I'm, and I'm in the midst of it. And I mean, during our meet and greet time, she stepped out of the aisle and she just made a beeline for me. And she came up to me and she, said, she grabbed my hand and she said, you know, the devil drives, God leads. And just walked off and left me. The devil drives, God leads. Is that what he said? The devil pushes, God leads. Meaning gently, he leads. And I'm telling you, I knew it immediately. It was God all over her. Now, under, in the natural, under normal fleshly conditions, I wouldn't have put two cents of value on typically what she said. But in that moment, God was on her. And she gave me my answer. I mean, she just drew a stark line, black and white. That's not God. This is God. This is how you tell. That's not God. That's the devil. Because he's driving you. 
He's pushing. He's trying to force you. And that's not God. I tell you, it's one of, the, one of the sweetest, greatest, most precious words I've ever gotten. And it came from someone that I thought, oh my God, God, God could never talk through her. Never. But He did. But He did. Hallelujah, He did. Let's all stand up today. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I, I had it on my heart, I believe, from the Lord.